so I was going to so I know welcome people um, so what's your last name I'll, so I'll I'll scratch, scratch. I'm gonna stay up here yeah 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 so I was gonna mention something about Good, okay. Yeah. Before I see them, I know we don't want to start right now, so we're trying to put that in, that one verse. Okay. So, if you can wait until they give you the go-ahead. Is there a restroom back here? Back to the... Uh, oh, wait. Is there one back there? There's one upstairs. I would go back there. Okay, I just don't... But if you want to walk upstairs, you can do that. I did bring you a couple more walks. Oh, good, thank you. Good morning, church. Let's all stand and let's lift our voices together. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace in the mansions bright and blessed. He'll prepare for us a place when we all 
What a day See Jesus, we'll sing. Shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all Oh, what a day, what a day of when, we all, when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day, because just one glimpse of him in glory will the toils of life repay. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will atone our pain. When we all, when we all get to heaven, one day, one day, when we all see Jesus, we'll see.
sing one more song as we continue our celebration. Sunday mornings need to be a celebration of the risen Lord. Mm, we declare the kingdom of God is here. We declare that the kingdom of God is here. We declare that the kingdom of God is here. Among So good to see you all. So good. I know we have a lot of visitors in the building. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. And what a weekend it's been. From Friday night having a, an awesome meeting with some leaders here at church to yesterday. If you came, you, you saw how much of a blessing that was. Just two hours of worship to today getting to continue this worship. And so we want to thank Keith so much for taking the time. 10,000 miles. I, I can't even imagine that. But that, that is a lot a lot of travel. So thank you, Keith, so much for coming and worshiping with us this morning. And uh, also, I just want to throw out there, he might not say this, but he's been to a lot of different churches. And so I'm sure in the back of his mind, he's thinking, ah, does this church sing out? Do they not? We, we don't want to be at the 110th spot of churches that sing out. And so I want to encourage you guys, sing out, give it all you've got this morning. So thank you so much, Keith. I also want to thank the sound booth back there. Um, if you've never ran slides before, I can tell you it feels like a marathon. It is an hour straight of adrenaline, making sure that you press the button at the right time and making sure you don't press it too fast. And so thank you guys so much for all the work that you've done this weekend and this morning. And, and lastly, just one thing I want to throw out there, there will be no blast. So please don't turn your kids loose or else they're going to be running around. Um, which you can if you want to. You can go for it. But uh, I think that's all I've got. I, I don't want to take up too much time. I want for us to keep on worshiping. So thank you guys for joining us this morning. Thank you, Tucker. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, we have good memories here. Just recently had the a cappella concert here, and you guys were the amazing hosts. And yes, the singing is phenomenal, Tucker, here. It sounds great. And uh, in a minute, Matt is coming to lead our prayer, and he's been asked to sing on a hill far away. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have a question for you. Does God want every Christian to sing? Does he want every Christian to sing? I came across this excerpt on a book I was reading. And the book was written by a fellow not from an a cappella church. So it really caught my attention as he asked this question. He said, does God want every Christian to sing? It depends. 
If singing were an issue of training, technique, vocal range, comfort, or preference, most of us might be wise to uh, keep our mouths shut. The world would be a more pleasant and happier place. Why sing when so many are more gifted and seem to enjoy it more than I do? Here's why. Your voice, along with all the other voices in your congregation, has been redeemed by the Savior. As we sing, he presents our song to the Father for his glory and for our joy. The human voice given over to Jesus and found in the company of other voices given over similarly produces a dignified and worthy song, whether it's in a storefront church or a cathedral. Singing is not an option for the Christian. No one is excused. Get this. Vocal skill is not a criterion. No one is excused. Not even those with zero musical ability. The critical question is not, do I have a voice? But do I have a song? And if you are a true worshiper, forgiven, reconciled to God through the atoning work of Christ, the answer is a resounding yes. It's not a song we originated or created We can't add to it, change it, improve upon it. It's the song of the redeemed for their great redeemer. And it's a song we were never meant to sing alone. And it's a song God's people have been singing together for thousands of years. Bob Coughlin, the author of True Worshipers. I love that quote. And I love it. When I hear everybody sing, this, this singing sounds amazing this morning. Precious cornerstone, sure foundation. You are all to us. Mm-hmm. Precious cornerstone, sure foundation. You are faithful to
this morning to, before our prayer, to read the 100th Psalm. <clears throat> Shout out joy for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give praise to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we humbly approach you this morning as a family, praising you and thanking you for your love, your grace, your mercy, and your providence. We thank you for the avenue of prayer and the access it gives us to your healing and sustaining power, a portion of your wisdom and strength and the ability to lay our petitions at your feet. And we are thankful that your faithfulness and love will continue through all generations. This time, Heavenly Father, we have some that we are concerned about, some that are struggling with illnesses and are anticipating new treatments and procedures and those who are recovering. We offer this moment in prayer to access your healing power, your comfort, and your peace. We pray this morning that you place your hand upon these loved ones, the Tucker Sullivan family and Tucker's grandmother, Martha Sullivan, Willa Wicks, Tom and Beverly Hale, Patsy Thompson, Callie Huff, and Don Crawford. We're thankful for those who have witnessed the work of your healing power and are now recovering, for Larry Murphy, for Edie Strickland, Jerry Moore, Francis McBee. Please continue to shower your blessings on all of those we have laid before you this morning. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for our new sister in Christ, Christine Weathers. May her walk and life always be close to you, and may we always surround her and her family with our love and support. Heavenly Father, this morning we're mindful of the horrific fires in Maui, Hawaii, as we witness the destruction, despair, and loss of life. Even so far away, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who have or will be affected by this event. Please comfort those who have lost loved ones and instill in us the willingness to help and to seek best methods to implement this help so that these affected can feel our love and your love and presence. At this time, Heavenly Father, we ask a special blessing upon our children, our youth, and our young adults as they begin a new school year. We pray that they will stand up and stand apart from those who wish to distort or destroy the Christian lifestyle, and that our students understand that this is not a sign of fear or weakness, but is a show of power and leadership, for we know that your inspired word tells us that the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We pray for our teachers as they often face the difficulties of children who may not come from a biblical background, who are undisciplined, abused, or ignored. Children who have been abused by being allowed too many options and have received no consequences. We pray for our teachers' wisdom, their strength, their patience, and that once again, you may be recognized in our public schools and that our teachers will look to you and seek your wisdom and power on a daily basis. Heavenly Father, as we take this time to emphasize the importance of our worship assembly as a family, may, we, may our offering be raised up to you as a pleasing aroma, 
May we increase our efforts to praise your name in song and study and in edification. May we strive for peace and unity and be kind to one another. We're so thankful for Keith and his knowledge and his ability and for the time we've spent with him this weekend, Heavenly Father. Give them safe travel. Heavenly Father, we recognize that we often fail you and thank you for the continual cleansing of our sins by your grace and the blood of your Son, our Savior. And it is his name we pray. Amen. Who else commands all the hosts of heaven? Who else can make every king bow down? Who else can whisper and darkness trembles? Only a holy God. What other beauty demands such praises? What other splendor outshines the sun? What other majesty rules with justice? Only a holy God. What other glory consumes like fire? What other power can raise the dead? What other name remains undefeated? Only a holy God. Who else could rescue me from my failings? Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Come and behold him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy forever, a holy God. Come and worship a holy God. Who else commands all the hosts of heaven? Who else can make every king bow down? Who else can whisper and darkness tremble?
Jesus is gathering his disciples and he's about to present something to him that they haven't really experienced or seen before and he gives them a weird charge go into town find a man who has a jar of water he has a room prepared for us to celebrate the Passover lamb so they did and oftentimes we don't connect the two pieces together but in the words preceding what we are about to read is when Jesus actually calls out the one who is going to betray him All the apostles, of course, are dumbfounded and think that there's no way it could be them. It would be better for that man if he had not been born. Jesus transitions in verse 22 of Mark chapter 14. While they were eating, he took bread. and When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. Verse 24 is so important. This is my blood of the covenant. This is a new covenant that Jesus is instituting, which is poured out for many. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink in the new kingdom of God. Think back to perhaps a time in your life when you received what to you was one of the greatest gifts you had ever been given. Physical gifts. Perhaps it was something that had a large financial tie. More often than not, it is those gifts that require a lot of thought. A lot of emotion behind them. Something that took time. It took an understanding of who you were. In spite of the greatness of that gift, no gift can measure up to the weight, the sacrifice, and the importance of the gift that Jesus gave on our behalf. When we celebrate, and that is what we are doing, when we celebrate communion, we are celebrating the gift of salvation. That is worth celebrating, church. The gift of salvation that was poured out, quite literally, poured out of the body of Jesus on our behalf. He explains in verse 24 that this meal is the beginning of a new covenant to mark the start of a new place between God and his people. Before Jesus' death, generations of Jews had done what they were doing that night. Sacrificed an animal in the temple to pay just for another year for their sins. When we take communion, it symbolizes the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. The wine and the bread of communion represent that body and that blood that was given for me and was given for you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, Lord, we are so grateful for that gift that surpasses all other gifts that we have received in this life. That even as hard as we try to wrap our minds around it, we know we can't. But please don't allow us to stop trying. 
to stop trying to understand the magnitude and the weight of your grace and your mercy that was given on our behalf through that sacrifice that Jesus made. And as we take this bread together this morning, as a church brought together to remember that sacrifice, let us remember that body that lived and breathed and ministered and loved and cared for those around him with all that he had. God, we are grateful for that sacrifice, and we remember that body in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why did my Savior come to earth? Just like those gifts that we think back to remind us where we were when we received them, that feeling, that moment of joy when they were given to us, communion often reminds us of a time and a place where we met Jesus. 
So many of us were raised in the church, many of us were not, but we didn't really have that encounter with Jesus until something in our hearts changed, until there was a piece of us that became so broken that we knew that there was nothing that could put it back together except the love of Jesus Christ. We reflect on that time every Sunday here where the blood of Jesus binds us back together. It's a time we individually reflect on the price that was paid for each of our lives, but as a church, we share in this meal together, just as the apostles did in that room so many centuries ago. As we take the the fruit of the vine, we remember that blood that was poured out for each one of us. Would you pray? Father God, we are grateful, we are humbled, and we are sometimes just left with such a feeling of inadequacy that we would not deserve such a sacrifice, that we do not deserve such hope. And yet, in spite of our own feelings, you remind us that we are, because we are yours. We have been redeemed by your Son. We have been brought back into fullness because of the blood and the body that was given on our behalf to make us right, to sanctify us, to be brought back into the right relationship with you. But it's important for us to remember that this is no act of our own that makes us right with you, that it is Jesus and Jesus alone. So we are so grateful for that gift. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Why did he drink the bitter cup of sorrow, pain, and woe? this church is a part of. In a couple of weeks, you're going to get to hear about our youth group's summer and all of the different places they went and the ways that they grew and were stretched and were challenged. We hear about our, our mission trips to, uh, to New Orleans and other opportunities that our church has a part in. Very soon, we're going to be able to use our Family Life Center again after the remodel that's happening over there, and we'll have the opportunity to share that with our community as so many in this church have a wonderful hand in doing But none of that happens without, none of those impacts are able to happen without the reflection that we make in giving back to the Lord what was already His to begin with. And the wonderful ways that He has chosen to bless us, that we have each received, we we look on ourselves and we ask ourselves and we turn inward and ask, how can I help? How can I give back? How can I give to the work of the Lord, both in the church and outside of the church? How can I give my life? Not just out of our finances, out of our wallets, but out of 
the overflow of the Spirit that dwells within each of us. And so this is that opportunity that we take each week to share and to give back in one place and in one time an opportunity to share with this church to continue the ministry of the Lord here at West Irwin. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we are grateful for so many things in our lives, so many ways that you have blessed us. And oftentimes I know it's easy to focus on on the negative, but if we really stop, if we really examine our life, we are reminded of how much you continue to do for us, how you surround us with those in just the right times that we need, how you give us the things in just the right times that we need, how we are blessed through others and sometimes through ways we could have never imagined. And so God, out of that Sometimes what feels like overflow, sometimes it still feels like not enough. We trust you through all of those times. You are consistent, you are holy, and you are faithful. So God, we take this opportunity to give back just a small portion of what you have so willingly shared with us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you promised and all that you bought. It's always carrying me through. My Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you.
blessing to have Keith and Sharon Lancaster here this weekend. You have blessed us over and over again in more ways than we could ever tell you. Thank you, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Why should we care about our worship assemblies? There are few people that I've met in my entire life that believe as strongly in the importance of our worship assemblies, including our singing, as this man right here. But when you read the pages of the New Testament, you don't hear a lot about the worship assemblies, actually. Most of the passages of the New Testament are not in the context of the worship assembly. But the ones that are, the ones that are tell us how important this time is for the church, how vital, how crucial it is for the church. Living a joyful life must include participating in the worship assemblies of the church. That's been the theme of this series of sermons from Philippians that we've been discussing. And just as Keith shared that singing is not an option. It's something that is commanded in the scripture. It's something that is because, not because God gave us a voice, as he said, but because he gave us a song. He gave us a song to sing. A message to share, to bring others in, and to encourage one another as we do that. Living a joyful life must include participating in the worship assemblies of the church. And so let's speak for a few minutes this morning about that. Worship, first of all, can be direct or it can be indirect. 
Direct worship is vertical worship. It's that worship that is between me and God. And we think of passages such as the Lord's Prayer. That's a very uh, direct worship passage. We speak, think of those passages such as Keith has quoted to us this weekend in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 that call us to sing and to encourage one another in that and to be full of the Spirit of Christ and let that fullness overflow into our singing. Much of the law of Moses, much of the prophets, direct worship, but it can also be indirect. And there's so much of the scripture, in fact, the majority of the New Testament is about this part. Indirect worship, worship that is horizontal, worship that speaks to how you treat me and how I treat you. How as Christians we treat each other, how we talk to each other, how we encourage each other, how we help each other, and so many wonderful passages on that. Romans 12, our bodies are to be living sacrifices. That's a worship word. And what part of our lives is not covered by that call? Well, that's 24-7. That's all the time. Much of the law of Moses, in fact, the majority, six of the Ten Commandments, are about this part, not the other part, about how we treat each other. We see that so much. These words from Hebrews chapter 13 Uh, Verses 15 and 16, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that profess his name. That's direct worship offered up directly to God. And yet the very next verse, verse 16, and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices, worship word, God is pleased. And so they're different, but there's a direct worship like we're doing today, and there's an indirect worship like you do when you encourage each other today. Direct worship, secondly, can be private or corporate. Direct worship can be by yourself, when you pray by yourself, when you're in your shower singing by yourself, and from what I've heard, we're all thankful for that. It's when you're singing in your car. It's when you're driving down Broadway in your car and you offer up a prayer to the Lord. (laughs) That is direct worship, but it's private. It's just you. It's just you. Today is corporate. Today is all of us together. And guess what that means? That means it's more than just about you. It's about that person on the pew with you. It's about that person that's across the aisle from you. It's about that person that you notice is not here. Corporate worship can be a lot of different things. But the most important one, the most significant one, the absolute crucial one is what we're doing right now here today. The worship assembly is just that. It's an assembly. And the uniqueness of the worship assembly is that it is the time when the church gathers together to worship God and encourage each other. There is just nothing else that matches it. You can have a youth devo. You can have a young at heart devo. You can have a small groups devo like many of our groups are having this weekend. You can have a few families that gather together for a time of prayer and worship and praise. All of that is wonderful and good, but it's not this. It's not this. Only this is when the whole church gathers together to worship the Lord and encourage each other while we do it. That's why this cannot be missed. And that's why the scriptures call us to be faithful in doing 
this. The assembly, the worship assembly of the church is a unique experience that only happens here. Doesn't mean those others aren't good. Doesn't mean those others aren't important. It just means they're not this. And God has called us to take part in this with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, in our direct corporate worship assemblies. I would hope that each one of us worships our Lord personally in our hearts. But again, the difference today is that we are doing that together as a group, as the body of Christ. And that's why living a joyful life must include participating in the worship assemblies of the church. And as Keith has been so wonderful in sharing with us this weekend, it's not a funeral. You know, the way some of our brethren come to church and worship, it's like they haven't read that Jesus rose from the grave. He's still on the cross. He's still in the tomb. And we're so very thankful that he did that. That's why we're saved. That's why he came to earth. But that tomb is empty. And the joy of the New Testament church in the midst of the most horrible persecution could not be taken away. Our worship should be a time of celebration, a time of great joy. In spite of everything that we've been through, we sang yesterday, I still have joy. And so a couple of things about the purpose and the focus of our worship assemblies. First of all, the purpose of our worship assembly is encouragement. Now, I get a lot of raised eyebrows when I say that. And those of you that come, have been here at West Irwin, you've heard me say it many times, but the purpose of our worship assembly, interestingly enough, is not to worship God. We do that all the time. We do that in every setting. Sometimes it's direct, sometimes it's indirect, but today we're doing it together. Today is family day. Today we're worshiping our God together, and the reason for that is so that we might be encouraged. Want to know the BCVs on that? They're on the outline. Our passage, you know, 728B is our song. Someone yesterday had a shirt on that said 728B. I kind of wanted to steal it from him, but he seemed to be wearing it the whole time. So, our God, he is alive in the old songbook. But as we think of that, we think of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, that we have used to beat people over the head and say, you got to go to church. Don't forsake, don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together as some is already in the habit of doing. But rather what? Encourage each other. That's why you go to church. You can worship God anywhere. You can sing wonderful praises to God anywhere. You can pray. We, we found you can even take communion at home. But what you can't do is what we're doing right now. What you can't do is encourage one another. And that's the force behind Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Why? Because the people that received that book, that letter, they were ready to give it all up. They were really ready to throw it all away because it had been far worse for them physically and emotionally since they became Christians. And they decided, well, maybe this isn't worth it after all. And so the writer of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit, sends that letter to them. And in the midst of that, after saying all kinds of ways, Jesus is better than any alternative. He begins to apply it in chapter 10. And he says, don't stop going to church. You need it. The people that are there need you there. 
Encourage one another. And especially as you see that day coming closer and closer. 1 Corinthians 14 is another one of those very rare instances where the whole chapter, the context is the worship assembly. What we're doing right now. And you know what Paul says over and over and over again in 1 Corinthians 14? Whatever you do, it better be done for what? Edification. Encouragement. If it's not encouraging each other, it doesn't belong in the worship assembly. He even told some who had the miraculous gift of of prophecy. Hey, if nobody else is listening, if nobody else can understand this, if you're speaking in an unknown tongue, an unknown language... Do that at home. Don't do that at church because nobody else has helped. And today, we're here to help each other, to encourage each other. It's an amazing, amazing statement as we read that. That context of 1 Corinthians 11 with the Lord's Supper, they're told what you're doing is not partaking of the Lord's Supper if it's not being considerate of one another purpose of our worship assembly is encouragement. And so a couple of things from this passage in Philippians chapter 2. First of all, the joy of worship is unity. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. The joy of worship is unity. It's a togetherness. It's, it's being united, not uniformity. We're not all alike. But unity, because we're all together, and we recognize that great fact. The joy of worship is unity, but secondly, the joy of, you, of worship is humility. Verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. The joy of worship is humility. And the purpose as we gather together in humility and unity is to worship our God and encourage each other as we're doing that. You know, if I was a teacher, I would have been so encouraged by praying and being led in prayer by our shepherd, Matt Hawes, a few minutes ago. Because what our teachers know is that they are facing children day in and day out who haven't had the blessing that many of our kids have. The blessing of being taught, the blessing of being encouraged, the blessing of having a good example of how you should act, the blessing of hearing how one should respect authority, including teachers. I'll tell you, Matt, if I was a teacher sitting in one of these pews today, that would have been the highlight of today's worship service. Sorry, Keith. And that's why we gather together to do this purpose of our worship assembly is encouragement. And as Paul is thinking through this, he's trying to come up with a good example of what what this looks like, what these first four verses look like. And so the second part, part B, the focus of our worship assembly is God. Now you're going to feel more comfortable, right? (laughs) The focus of our worship assembly is God. We focus on Jesus. We do that together in order to encourage one another, but we focus on him because the joy of worship is Jesus. And as Paul thinks of the best example he could give to what this looks like, 
He writes verses 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, something to be grasped and held onto. Rather, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself. That's humility. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, many scholars most think that this was an early Christian hymn, one of the first ones. These few verses right here. And when you think about it, every song the first century church sang that included something about Jesus, guess what that was? (gasps) A new song. Every single one of them. Oh, they were used to the Psalms. They were used to all those hymns they had always sung. But these songs about Jesus, well, those were just written. They were brand new. The joy of worship is Jesus. Why did my Savior come to earth? Because he loved me so. And the joy of worship is praise. Verses 9 through 11. Therefore, because of what he just said or sang. Therefore, God exalted him, Christ, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what our brother Eric Thornton was sharing in that wonderful communion meditation. Think about your greatest gift. It pales in comparison with what? The gift of Jesus Christ. And he's exactly right. The joy of worship is praise. And don't we long for the day when all of creation, all of everything, in heaven, on earth, below the earth, in the sea, the land, wherever, will bow the knee in praise to Jesus. Unity, humility, That's the purpose. We gather together in unity. We gather together in humility so that we can encourage each other as we worship God together. But the focus is Jesus. The focus is praise. The joy of worship is Jesus. The joy of worship is praise. That's the joy of worship. And that's what these verses call us to do, to be considerate of one another and to be mindful of one another. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Have this mind in you. What mind? Well, the mind I've already talked about. The mind of unity, of of humility, of considering others' needs and desires and preferences above your own. What does that look like? Look at Jesus. What he did for you. What he did for me. That's the joy of worship. He is our precious cornerstone. Jesus, you are all to us. In need of Christ, the perfect lamb. My refuge strong, the great I am. This is my song, my humble plea. I am your child. I am in need. If that's you today and we can help, come as we stand. Sing our song together. In need of grace. In need of love. In need of mercy reigning now.
Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It is so special to see your desire to continue our wonderful tradition and to make worship the best that it can be. Sharon and I are leaving immediately after the the service here, but I want to hear reports six weeks from now, six months from now. We don't want this to be a one and done. We had great singing, look back at it, but I want it to be changing where you're striving to Give God our absolute very best and have worship so vibrant that it is evangelistic. And uh, I encourage you, I challenge the elders to send five song leaders to the Worship Leader Institute so that we can have song leaders that set the tone with contagious joy that have everybody celebrating every Sunday. My favorite time of the week is Sunday morning because that's when, as Bill said, that's when we gather for encouragement and to worship God. So it's, it's been special to be here. We want to close with the song, Behold Our God, and listen to the message of this song. Who has held the oceans in his hand? Who has not heard every grain of sand? See it. 
Heavenly Father, you are our creator and the creator of all things that we see and the things that we cannot. We are thankful for the opportunity to praise you this morning in, hum in unity, in humility, and with great joy. And we do behold you as our God and that every king will bow, but not just every king, dear Lord, but as we read this morning from Philippians, every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. And we know that you are seated on your throne and Jesus is there with you. And I pray, dear Lord, that you will help us as we leave this place to take the same joyful attitude and the same spirit of humility throughout the week that as we go, Everyone around us will know that we are yours and that we have joy and salvation because of your son, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.